We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I just like the sound. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Veterans of Norm. I'm your host, Nick Dayas, at The Lamb Show on all social media outlets. Joining me, my guy, A-double-L-E-N. What up? Oh, what's going on? Good, man. Good. Uh, wild week for me. A lot been going on. A lot of meetings. I've been apartment hunting. Have you looked for apartments recently? Or you? Well, actually, you recently just moved. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I've done part hunting in the past, but it hasn't really gone too, hasn't gone too much for yeah. yeah. It's uh, It is pretty expensive number one um broker fees are not a good time man a lot of money like up front dude like They're demanding yeah yeah and what what i'm trying to do is i'm trying to find a spot for like a studio setup more so do like three four days a week down there most of the time up here and whatnot like i would i wouldn't really bring any of my stuff outside of like maybe my desk setup a bunch of clothes and my dresser like i'd plan on getting my own Sort of like a twin size bed, something small in a room just to not take up too much space. Treat it like a workspace, kind of, you know. How long has this been going on? About three weeks now. Okay. But yeah. I spent I spent all day Saturday, bro, just looking at apartments, running around and shit. Um man, it's just such a hassle. If you guys have ever gone apartment shopping, especially in the city, bro, it's just the Astoria, New York City, like the actual Manhattan, borough of Manhattan. It's what about L I C. Oh, LIC is a shit show. It's more expensive there than it is in like in the city right now. Damn. Craziness. Yeah, I was there Saturday. My buddy has a new place. He has like three other roommates in LIC. So I was there. I was like, man, this is so high end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's also very, it's just, it's a, it's the commute, right? It's such a short commute getting into New York City. And it's just like the booming spots right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember listening to Malcolm Gladwell one time and he mentioned how you could tell how well a city is doing by how many cranes you see being operated shout out to my guy ralph crane gang he's a crane (laughs) operator but uh yeah man that's something cool like they say seattle is booming pittsburgh is booming love pittsburgh i was there last year dude i've never been i've never been great Uh, city uh you know danny and some of the listeners here that listen to degeneration bets he's my co-host on there for the most part and he's a big Steeler fan and he tries to go to a game every year and one of my buddies nick who uh my college my best friend from college actually had him on the podcast over the summer he's a nutritionist and has trained some like high-end athletes 
he's a big Steeler fan, and they're like, dude, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh's such a dope city to go to. What's like a what's like a city in the states that you would want to go to that you haven't been to? Uh, Houston. Yo, me too, bro. Love Houston. Just the scene. Grow up out listening to hip hop, and then just the uh, well, sports. Well, uh, chop, chop and screw. Chop and screw. It was like UGK, <laughs> Chameleon, Paul, Slim Thug, Flip, <laughs> all those dudes. <laughs> I can name the whole bunch. I grew up on Houston, then eventually Atlanta's now Bro, booming. Paul Wall, too, no? Yeah, oh, I mentioned Paul Wall. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone. Okay. The only guy I didn't really care for was Mike Jones, but you know, Mike Jones this thing. So, But yeah, I love Houston, just the whole environment. And you know, now the city's doing well in terms of sports. They have some of the biggest athletes there. And you know, I, I'm a big fan of Shea Serrano and what he does for the city and just in terms of writing all sorts of cool content about it. So I just think there's a really cool vibe about Houston. So I put there. I also, I've never been to Atlanta, so I have to also include Atlanta. Get my ties there. I feel like if you're a fan of a team that doesn't play in your city, you got to go see them. Yeah, no, it just hasn't worked out. It's easy for me to say where all my favorite teams are in New York, but I do want to, for 2020, one one of my goals and what I'm striving for now and, you know, I like to start, it's around this time of the year where I start thinking about my New Year's resolutions and yeah. I start sort of, I don't like dropping things cold turkey because mm-hmm. I think it's not sustainable. I think that you should slowly transition into it. So I start to get into that mindset around this time. And then this way it's not like, oh, you know what? I'm going to completely stop eating this kind of food January 1st. Like, I don't think that's sustainable. So I've, no. I've gotten into that mindset as of now, uh, vegan for four days. Wow big transition for Damn. me especially suits all vegans i can never do it yeah uh you know i, I give up alcohol before i go meat i uh i've kind of i probably eat red meat three times a month Wow. so i've i've basically stuck to chicken and fish for the longest time but i'm giving it a try like I've never made fun of vegans. I've never like it. Just wasn't my thing. Salute to them. That's a big sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. A lot of dairy. Like, well, no yeah, dairy. No dairy. <laughs> it, it, it's rough. It's rough. So guys, I don't know how like Daniel Bryan does it. Like he's the most. I think he's like the most popular vegan. I'm trying to think of who the vegans out there. I just know Yo, Nate Bryan. Diaz too, bro. Oh jeez, I forgot Nate. Yeah. He's not vegetarian. He's full vegan or vegetarian. Well, I just I watched. I kind of like, up, right? and I know this is terrible because a lot of documentaries are made to inspire you to make that transition. But I watched Game Changers on Netflix, and they 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 highlighted him, and yeah, it's right, just, he is vegan. It's yeah. it's just a, it's just an interesting fix. So guys, chime in. What New Year's resolutions are you guys starting to cook up? And this is terrible timing because like Thanksgiving is probably my favorite yeah, holiday. What the hell? but uh yeah let's get let's get into some sports um all right what the hell has happened with philip rivers this is coming off two primetime games where he's looked he's the reason his team lost 2015 pay manning that's what a lot of people are comparing to i think it's accurate assessment just he's never had the best arm but now it's just the decision making and him just trying to make throws that he knows he can't make between uh like People forget. Remember the Tyron Matthews shot two picks. The one he, I think, he was trying to hit Mike Williams on like a deep post, and it was right in Honey Badger's hands, and he dropped it. Like Rivers could have had another pick in that game. It's just, I think, he, he still is too confident for his own good. He's one of those older quarterbacks that thinks he could still make a lot of the throws he made three, four years ago. But I think he's just whether it's age or just the amount of punishment he's taken over years, he can't make up anymore. So. He's been a guy that I've defended many, many times. I think he's a guy who, you know, from fantasy purposes, he's always been like a guy that's ended up on my team and I've won championships with him because, you know, I think it's uh, 14 of the 17 years in his career. Obviously, this one is still going on. So you're really looking at like 14 of 16 years. He's surpassed 25 touchdown passes and 4,000 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times his team has been snake bit by injury. Like this guy's never missed a start. Right. Even so, I talk about this all the time because I think it's something that should be on his resume for when it's time for him to be debated whether or not he should be a Hall of Famer or not. But the fact that this guy tore his ACL, then had surgery on Tuesday and played against the 17 and 0 Patriots at the time. And then LT was also hobbled. And I want to say it was like a 10 point game. Michael Turner was the running back. Right. So. Like that was, and it's, you know, it's January football in Foxborough. So, and that guy suited up. He's tough as shit. And he's had to deal with turnover with, you know, head coaches and coordinators leaving and the offensive line being injured since 2018. No team has started more offensive line combinations in the NFL 
than the Chargers. It's not surprising, right? <laughs> Given how snake been they've been. But I think what's also kind of weird with Phil Rivers is that uh, he's, we always talk about him being a mob consistently, but I just think people like his demeanor. He's just someone that's always been a gunslinger. We, even though you see a lot of young quarterbacks now and we enjoy a lot of them, there are not many gunslingers left. They guys that just stand in the pocket and just chuck it. Even though it's risky, they still do it. And they and they also step up into the pocket. They don't really shy away from contact. You see a lot of young quarterbacks now, they get really gun shy. They get rattled. Rivers never really gets riled. Yeah, he'll throw bad picks, but he's just the confidence I've always admired about Philip Rivers and just his overall demeanor. So to see him now fading away, it's, it's pretty bums me out a bit because he's just someone that I think over the years, he just doesn't care. He just would go for it. And I think that's why I think players love playing for him because you just like his attitude. How can you not? How can you not be excited to be around him? Yeah, he he was a guy who for the longest time I loved betting him as an underdog because his teams were always in the mix. Like I remember hitting a stretch in early VM days when we give our picks that he was a guy who, when they were catching points on the road, seven and a half, nine point underdogs, I was like all in because he's a gunslinger. And in sports betting, you know, one of the reasons why people love the underdog is because the underdog. And the better backing the underdog have the same intentions. And what I mean by that is the underdog wants to climb back into the game to maybe win. And the better who's backing them wants them to keep the game close. So essentially, it's the only time in sports betting where the underdog and the better betting on the underdog have the same intentions. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's like a natural correlation between the two as, as far as like a success rate. But with Fuller Rivers, it's like the story of his career is probably... Down four with the ball left under two minutes and doesn't deliver. All right, like how many games has that happened? Too many. I, I know the stats out there, but I'm forgetting. I think Sandy or LA, excuse me, they've, during Phil Rivers' time, they've lost, they were on 61 possession games. 61 possession games? 61. Uh, it's, I know it's in the 60 range. I've heard the exact number because he's been there since 04. Dude, think about if they won half of those. Right, that's thirty more wins on his resume. That's who knows where those wins are. Playoff seeding, right? How many times has this team caught fire second half yeah. of the season? Because he's third all time uh, in terms of quarterbacks that QB wins that never won. I think it's Dan Marino. Then I think Frank Fran Tankerton maybe. Uh, I remember that. I remember seeing Rivers. Rivers like one hundred and twelve wins. He's what about had, like Jim so, Kelly? Jim Kelly's not in that. No, mix? he's not in that mix. I was like Matt Ryan was in that mix. So I was like, yeah, maybe four years from now, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, Rivers has like 112 wins, but I know around like a lot of his losses are one possession because that's how it is with the Chargers. So yeah, I think last night was just because I thought maybe against the Raiders, it was just because it was Thursday night. Everyone has those bad Thursday night games, but you had extra rest. And I want to hear about Mexico. Like you had time to prepare, time to acclimate. I just think Rivers at this point, because he hasn't been playing well all year. We I, we were talking about in September, like, ah, he looks, there's, re, there's signs that we should be concerned. And now I think it's all culminating and now it's the fact that they're pretty much out of the playoff race now a team that went 12-4 last year they were a real contender and now I think they have to seriously consider looking at a quarterback in the first round I have an idea tell me what you think about this I think Cam Newton can be had for very cheap I saw that people are looking at it I think the Chargers and the case I want to make for Cam is LA they want stars they want flash is there a more flashy quarterback than Cam? Like, not not so much his play, but also, like, his press conferences. He's entertaining. Yeah, nobody his, tops it. Right? Everyone like, loves Deshaun, but Deshaun doesn't go that route. All right, right. So, and and Cam, I, th I think, still got it. Um, it was funny when they announced that they might not bring back Carolina. They've sort of hit a skid now, too. And Kyle Allen kind of looks like Kyle, a guy who... Kyle Allen's horrendous. Yeah, yeah. I watched the whole game. So, so, with Cam, right? What I think is interesting with Cam, I think this team is has a lot of pieces that you like, right? Yeah, I just think after Sunday, I don't know Carolina's budging right now. Like, I hear Cam's unlikely to come back, but after watching how bad Kyle's been playing, like I don't, and the Chargers are that organization where they are very fickle. They don't like spending a lot. They really don't like taking gambles. Like They're very hard-headed when it comes to contracts. So, yeah, I'm not sure. It would be a great fit, but just the Chargers organization is so unpredictable. But I think he could be, he could be had for cheap. Like they, I, I don't know about cheap. What's going to be the market for him, you think? Cam? Damn, that's hard to estimate at this point. Like, is he going to be a guy that could get $35 million? I don't think so. 
No, not thirty million, five million. So it, what I'm saying by had like, I think twenty three to twenty seven is reasonable for Cam. Yeah, it's a good. As opposed yeah. to what Kirk Cousins got, what like Dak is gonna get. Mm-hmm. You know, we're gonna talk about Dak in a little bit, a game of the week. But I think Cam going out there will be cool. What about a what about a swap? Rivers is from Carolina. Dude, Rivers is. T- <laughs> All right, he went to NC State, I believe it was. Dude, that offense line's so bad in Carolina. We don't need Rivers to take any more punishment. If Rivers does go anywhere, go some to Indianapolis. He won't get hit as much, at least there. The offensive line full of first rounders and all pros doing keg stands in the end yeah, zone. Yeah. Do you think? Uh, do you think it's it, it's what the Chargers should do moving forward? Like just get rid they, of? I don't think they could start Rivers next season. Whether it's drafting a first rounder and maybe building him up a bit, maybe give Rivers some time. But there's no way you could go forward thinking Phil Rivers could start 16 games. I just don't think he, he can handle it anymore. It's had a long career, a lot of punishment. Like, Yo, think about that draft class too. Well, now it's Eli Manning. He's gotten benched. I mean, he was he's he led the way as far as the decline, right? Mm-hmm. Like Big Ben led the league in passing last year. Um, essentially, he's taken the year off. Tommy John surgery. Uh, and then Rivers kind of just, you're right. Like it's dope when your guy's durable, but then I think they just fall off a cliff so quickly. Right. And that's what I think we're seeing with Philip Rivers. After all those years, because we talk about offensive line, because they were the Chargers, they've had some bad coaching stats too, which haven't helped them. Like Rivers just taking a beating. Like people don't realize that, but he just keeps on getting up. So, I just man, we have such high expectations for the Chargers. I think that's the most disappointing thing. We really thought they were like going to season a top three, four AFC team, and now they're out of the playoff hunt. It's November. Yeah, they're f- they've fallen to four and eight. They're on their bye week now. They, they four and seven, but you know, same thing. Oh yeah, 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 four, yeah. yeah that's right. Week twelve. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Yeah, they're, they're pretty much done though. Like seven well, losses, especially in the AFC. Like yeah. I don't think I don't think nine wins could get you a playoff berth right now. Like Oakland's Oakland is going to compete for the division too. Like they, I think they're gonna fade, but I get what you mean. Like right now, well, at the to, at the moment it's yeah. close, and you still have that game where Kansas City's gonna play Oakland. So I mean, right. you have to at least respect them. They've exceeded people's no, Sluto, man. I'm so happy for John Gruden. I always, I know John Gruden gets ridiculed a lot, understandably so, given the trades. But you can't deny he's done a hell of a coaching job. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, gotta show love to Gruden. A lot of shit. That was a Thursday night football game, right? Yeah, Raiders so, Chargers. Uh, and then the last Thursday night football game was that the uh shot heard round the world from Miles Garrett. We didn't get to talk about that no. really. I talked about it by myself on the solo pod on Monday. If you guys haven't checked that out, I had uh, my buddy Justin, the wrestling classic, shout out to him. He came on and we kinda talked about the landscape of like pro wrestling in twenty nineteen. Um my guy CM Pack uh, CM Punk CM Pack. CM Pack <laughs> CM Punk is back, sort of, with WWE. But yeah, definitely check that out. Um but Miles Garrett, right? What do you make of that whole thing? Because now he met with the NFL, and what he's saying is that there was a racial slur involved in why it escalated to that point. And I think we can narrow it down to what that racial slur might have been. We're not trying to get banned off the show, so we'll keep it at that. Uh, what do you make of this entire situation? I think Mason Rudolph definitely, I don't know if instigates were, but he initiated. Just you could tell he'd, he should have more of a bigger punishment just based on his initial reaction. So, obviously, that doesn't excuse what Garrett did. Like, that is a serious... Never see someone take a helmet. Like, it's a serious offense right there. Just, uh, was it, I think, six pounds and just hitting on that guy's head just like that? Now, I don't think there should be any, like, criminal proceedings. People saying, oh, you should go to jail. You, people are absurd if you think that. Like, look, crazy things happen on the football field. Not excusing, but I think indefinite suspension, rest of the season, I think that's definitely a justifiable suspension. Uh, what Pouncey did... A little rough, but I'm happy he only got two games because for me, it's just he was defending his quarterback. And all right, emotions got pretty wild and kicking dude and had not exactly ideal. But I think one thing not enough people are talking about is uh, Larry Ogan Joby. Mm-hmm. That was so dirty. Like, you just shove, push a guy in the back like that. He just got hit in the head. Yeah. Like that, I think I think that could have got more of a suspension. I think it, Rudolph and Ogan Joby got off light. I think those are the two looking back on that probably should have gotten more of a bigger punishment. It's the shit that happens when you're young, too, where the first person never gets in trouble, right? Like, me and you are at a bar, and someone comes and, like, snuffs you, and then you retaliate. You break a bottle over his head. Well, most likely, the first thing is 
going to be sort of passed along, like maybe ignored, maybe no one saw it. But then when something drastic like that comes or you smash a bottle over someone's head, then yeah, Allen's going to get in trouble in that situation. And that's what I think happens with with Miles Garrett where, you know, why is Mason Rudolph kind of rolling jujitsu with him on the ground at one point? And then all of a sudden, who knows what's being said? And then he rips his helmet off and then he slams. I mean, everyone saw it now, yeah. but... You know, he Mason Rudolph got lucky too because it, it seemed like the ear of the helmet kind of hit him. Mm-hmm. Or like if that was to be squared, man, like you've seen like helmets crack sometimes, yeah. like head to head collisions. And he's already been severely concussed once this year. Right? Thomas. Yo, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah, it looked like he died on that play, bro. That was scary. We should also mention that game. Deontay Johnson took a huge. I, I was good move by the refs. Rarely see it these days, but Randall, I think. Rightfully got ejected at these little fortune and get one game spent because that was such a deliberate shot to the head. Shame on him. That was such a you saw the hit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. God, I was Down bleeding through his line. ears. Yeah, it was like Mick Foley. Like, damn, it was like crazy. <laughs> like, I just you just see that in this game. Like, everyone's talking about, oh, Miles Garrett's this big criminal violence. It's like we just saw someone a quarter ago take a headshot, which looked pretty deliberate, didn't super unnecessary, did not need to happen at all. And but now people are saying, oh, like, Garrett's this big criminal. Okay, what he did was wrong, obviously, but. So I think people are kind of over-exaggerating. I'm happy God. I think you shouldn't play another down this season, but I think some of the takes have just been pretty over the top. So, uh, What's crazy also is just the fact that that game was over. Like It was the last drive. It was over. Like I don't know how this happens. I shut it off. I, I didn't see it till next morning. Yeah, and also think about it. That was such a big win for Cleveland, right? Like Cleveland, we've been talking about it all year, how I I didn't like it. In, I didn't like them coming into the year because of their schedule. Like that schedule was rough, and I had them around two and two and six. I had well, I had them two and five. That game to Denver that they lost, I thought was unexcusable, inexcusable. I should say. I I think ultimately, if they miss the playoffs, that's going to be the game where they're going to circle and say we kind of let that one go. They were a favorite in Denver too. The backup quarterback was in like Brandon Allen. Yeah, you know, so that was like a shit show there, but. Yeah, Cleveland's in the thick of things. You know, they're a 10-point favorite against the Dolphins this week. It's the first time they've been a favorite of double digits mm-hmm. since Brady Quinn was the quarterback. God. So you're talking about a long, long time. So, yeah, I think I think it was also a sour moment, man, because that was a big win for Cleveland. Like, mm-hmm. the Steelers have been violating you for decades now, you know? And they haven't beaten Steelers since 2014. Yeah, and that was just a big win. And then you let that happen. It sucks. It's unfortunate. Uh, shout out to Key and Faye for this tweet because I can't believe the Browns have pulled off the impossible. They've somehow become more undisciplined after not having Greg G- Greg Williams on their coaching staff. Like, that's crazy when you think about it. They've become more undisciplined, more chaotic without Greg Williams. Who would you like to see be the head coach there? Oh, man, it's so hard. There's like no candidates out there. Like, like Har- I like to see Harbaugh back in the NFL. I'm not sure Cleveland would be the spot. Uh, could be Atlanta, who knows? But I want to see Harbaugh make a comeback because I've always kind of liked him as a coach. But well, the, I don't know who's out there though. Is it, like, who are you hearing? Like the the big the big college guy to make the leap is Lincoln Riley. Right. Also, we've his, been hearing that for two years though. Yeah. Also, his ties with Baker Mayfield, like his numbers have dipped since leaving Lincoln Riley. And I understand it was the Big Twelve, and that's like a video game offensive league. And it's always like high numbers. Like you've seen RG3 light it up. Mason Rudolph lit it up down there. It's always like quarterbacks go there. And it's like, well, you sort of, the Big 12 has kind of become what the Pac-12 was a couple of years ago where yeah. it was like, all right, you have all these guys putting up these big numbers like the Oregon teams and and even like teams like Cal and some, you know, like uh, UCLA prior to like Jim Moore getting there. Like there was that one stretch in the middle. Good old Jim Moore Jr. And it was it was those cases where is it is it that the offenses are so good and the quarterbacks are so good? Is that the defenses are so bad over there, right? So I think that's what's happening with with the Big Twelve, where you always see like West Virginia, Oklahoma, um, uh, Texas, like those teams. Baylor, they always put up these big numbers. So Lincoln Riley is probably the one that everyone's talking about. Man, in the NFL, you're right. It's like. Who's going to be that that offensive coordinator that's going to emerge, that's going to be the next hot prospect, right? Like Robert Sala was a guy that a lot of people were like, and I know he's not an offensive genius, but... Well, he's a defensive coordinator. Right, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, he's a defensive guy. I think the Chiefs, Eric, I forgot his last name, but the Chiefs offensive coordinator got some buzz. But 
Impy would be all over that. Impy just loves. Shout out to my guy, Impy man. Andy reconnects. And Andy reconnects. Yeah, why not? Yeah. So, uh, I do want to mention also that it is kind of unfortunate because I hear Miles Garrett. He's not just one of the most promising. Well, he's, not, he's already a star, but I'm saying he's like one of the most fascinating defense players in the league. Just he's built like a freak. He's a, one of the best edge rushers in the league. I hear also he's just a really good guy. So I think it's just unfortunate that this instance gonna like overshadow his probably career it's always going to haunt him and you know i just hear he's good because he actually trained over the summer with stipe he brought he brought him to the i I think it actually was his training camp and they did lights lights barring together so uh, i know stipe is a big fan of him so it's just just unfortunate because i think miles garrett was really one of those guys you saw come to the league it was like wow this guy's a physical freak like he might be the edge rusher version of aaron donald where it's like we never see anything like this and now for him to miss the rest of the year and who knows how it's going to haunt this career just unfortunate because I think people genuinely like them. But look, he lost his mind. What can you say? That was it's indefensible. So yeah, I do think that a lot of times I never liked a well. If that was me, I wouldn't do it. Person like you know oh. how we did worst guy on Twitter yeah. last week. Like the well, if I was him, I would have taken that money. Like you know, you watch like Deal or No Deal, and like you know after like hindsight is always twenty twenty. It's easier to make a decision after the fact, but. Like, I don't know how I would have reacted. That's always my answer. Like, I don't know. Until that's presented to me, like, I don't know. Uh, you know, like... I got Baker hand in the interview, by the way. He did a good job. Yeah, finally right. showed some, like, leadership over there. <laughs> he's like, yeah, we can't have... And he's right. Like, he's their best offensive player. And oh, yeah. And they're gearing up for a stretch where they... I believe they're only an underdog in one game the rest of the way. Probably Steelers, right? They got to go to Heinz Field. They got to go to Heinz Field. Yeah. And that's essentially a pick em right now because, you know, there's advanced lines that you could see look-ahead lines yeah. and whatnot. But Man, they got to play again soon. <laughs> yeah. So you know that's going to be a bloodbath too. Yeah. But Pouncey's going to be suspended. Ogunjobi's going to be suspended. Yeah. Rudolph's still going to be there. Oh, you don't think Sheldon Richardson's ready to clothesline him or Olivier Vernon? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Um all right, cool. Let's get into uh, the games of the week this week in week 12. Is this game a must-win for the Philadelphia Eagles at home against the Seahawks? They're currently one game behind Dallas. Yeah, they still have to play. They still have to play in Philly. But man, it's been pretty rough as someone that was so high on the Eagles. I had them as my number 1 seed coming into the year. It just hasn't looked right. I don't know if this is a must win, though. I don't know if I get categorized as that because there's still time. But especially since Dallas plays New England this week, so you figured New England should win. So I'm not going to say it's a must especially against a te- one of the best teams in the NFC. But I think you want to see something more from that offense because they just look so uninspiring right now. I know, granted, they played a you know terrific Patriots defense, but it's just that game became just a slog. And I thought Wentz missed a lot of throws. He thought it was one of his more disappointing performances. So I know the point cast isn't great right now, given the lack of receiver depth. But I think Philadelphia, especially at home against a West Coast team, you got to use that to your advantage. West Coast team playing at 1 o'clock. I know Russell Wilson's MVP right now. But between Seattle's woes on the offensive line and just Philadelphia, there needs to be some sort of response. Uh, I'm not saying it's a must win, but you just you want to see like like there's no such thing as encouraging losses at this point especially for a team as good as that but just offensively they have to show more i think that's the biggest thing going into this game so i do want to give credit to a unit that we've been super critical of have you noticed how well the eagles secondary has been playing last couple weeks did you see that those stats floated around they have so since week eight i don't know exactly what it's been has anyone returned for them Oh, well, I know Jalen Mills came back. Uh, uh, enough, <laughs> enough. Like, okay, so Jalen Mills. Uh, we got to look at the competition show. Patriots, Bills, like, not the greatest batch of receivers. Okay, that's fair. That's very fair. Yeah. But I also think, like, Jalen Mills, right? Like, I remember <laughs> uh, I read an Eagles report, and it was like, well, Jalen Mills is coming back. It's like, dude, I won a lot of money a couple years ago just picking wide receivers against the Eagles, and especially ones where he was going to shadow. Yeah. And it was just like, if you're excited for him to come back, you're kind of in trouble, right? I don't know any like defenders have came back Darby? from injury. He's playing better. Like these, I think just players are playing better. I don't know. I think Malcolm Jenkins. Maybe, oh, okay. They released Orlando Scandrick. That could have helped. And Orlando Scandrick went on Fox Sports One and talked all a bunch of nonsense. Kind of some promos, right? Yeah, but Jenkins. I guess maybe Malcolm Jenkins rallied the truth. Philly's always hot and cold. I think we do it. But once the competition steps up, they uh, they step up their game. So. Uh, I think 
but then again, you just have to look at the opponents. The Patriots don't have any vertical threats. The Bills, Josh Allen. So uh, this is the game where we're going to see that secondary get tested. Yeah, Josh Gordon, Metcalf, Tyler Lockett at the moment is questionable. Um, but I, I do think ultimately he does suit up. And like you said, Russell Wilson's playing at such a high level. And, yo, Jacob Hollister is becoming a thing now. 19 targets in the last two games since he stepped up as the tight end. I don't know. Sign by the offense where you tight they need end. They a tight end, right? Yeah. yeah the, like, thinking, look at Disley. Right, yeah. right. I or Nick about, Vanette. I talked about this on the DFS show with, with my buddy Hunter, DFS Fridays, where I guess it's the system that they rely on a tight end and they need a tight end. Like, Russell Wilson is just making everyone look good. Like mm-hmm. Right now, he's it's him and Lamar is 1-2 for NFL MVP at the moment. And, you know, the Eagles, what I wanted to mention is the Eagles defense over the last three games, 238 yards per game. They're giving up 4.2 yards per play. Um, If you look at the numbers prior to that, like, you know, every wide receiver was going off against them. You know, like Stephon Diggs had that monster game. The Cowboy wide receivers ran wild. Falcons receivers. Falcons, yeah. yeah. So... Shit, even Terry McLaurin, week one, if you go all the way that far back. Case Keenan was throwing bombs. (laughs) Right. So I do think that that's being being fixed. The Seahawks defense is 30th in the NFL. Like I know Jadavion Clowney's had some monster moments, but that's also a defense that you can move the ball on. And I wouldn't call them a get-right spot for Wentz in this offense. But, man, they like how do they not go after A.B.? There has to be something internally wrong there. Has to be just them not wanting to take that chance because I think Philadelphia is known for taking risks. I'm trying to think of a prime example. Nothing really comes to mind, but I just think teams are really turned off by. It. But then we saw Reporte, Patriots are again talking to him. So I don't know. They take chances though, Philadelphia. They will make midseason moves, so it is a little surprising. I mean, going back to the time with that dream team scenario where they signed like Michael Vick, they were the first team to take a chance on Michael Vick after the whole dog scandal that they did altered his career. You know, so. Yeah, they've always taken risk, right? They've they've signed uh, Bennett, who was kind of a wild card. I traded for him. Well, yeah, they, yeah but still, they brought him on board. Yeah, though. So trade like, Gold, for Golden Tate. And Golden Tate's a bit of a character, but I don't think it's that much of a risk. I just I just know they take chances. That's what it is with mm-hmm. Philadelphia, uh, because that that front office is notorious for being aggressive. So well, they has, they also had that one linebacker Kendricks, who was like accused of insider oh, yeah. trading. So who knows about all that? <laughs> but McFarland, he's playing for his life on the field. You know, he might go to jail. Oh, that <laughs> no, one of the best. It was during a Seahawks Bears game last year. It was one of the worst games. And this Kendrick's got the sack, and Booger won the few good lines there. I just <laughs> hilarious. Oh man, Kendrick's is good by the way. He's playing really well this year, dude. He's a beast. Yeah, he's I'm, always been good. Him he, and his brother. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about his brother. Yeah, yeah. bro. His brother on that linebacking core in Minnesota. Yeah. That team is that team is good. But what do you what do you got over here, man? Do you think do you think Philly? You think Philly could pull the upset here? I mean, they're 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 a one and a half point favorite, which what that tells you is that. On a neutral, the Seahawks would be fa- uh, favored, and I think that's right. Seattle's going off a bye. I would Seattle's, take that as a big consideration. Yeah. So it's weird. Seattle this year is two and zero in the Eastern Time Zone, and this was something that they struggled under Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. I remember I did the thirty-two and thirty-two series on Instagram over the summer, and it was one of the scheduling takeaways that I had where this was a team that struggled playing in the Eastern Time Zone, and so far they're two and zero in the Eastern Time Zone this year, and. Also, they were a team that was not good under Russell Wilson. You know, like you said, the body clock, you're playing 10 a.m. Pacific time. Tough transition. It's a tough transition, but it might benefit them coming off a bye. So I think, I disagree with you. I think this is a bigger game for Philly. I think for Philly, it's like. It's a great test. I just don't think, I I, I don't think their playoff hopes are done if they lose, though. Right. They would fall to 10 and 6. They would fall to to 5 and 6. So then. You know, They're I, a team that Corral wins. We saw last year. Yeah, I know, man. I just think it's a it's a big game. Like I think it's because it's just a huge test for them. They gotta start proving they could beat. I can think you it's beat more a good team? Yeah, like because I don't know what's their most impressive win. Buffalo, like okay. You know what? Buffalo and Buffalo. I have to give them credit there because they were coming off that embarrassing loss to the Cowboys. Oh yeah. Buffalo, you can make the case should have beat New England if Josh Allen didn't miss the last five, six drives of that mm-hmm. game. And then I believe Matt Barkley stepped in. So yeah, that's probably an impressive win. And also, you know, we got to see how Buffalo ends the year. Like maybe they're an eight and eight team. Who knows? You know, so it's not as impressive at the time, but I'm going to go with Philly, man. I think Philly wins this game. I'm going to go with Philly. I think what really helps they're one of the best teams against the run. So I don't think Carson's got a big impact and 
just I think all the punishment Russell Wilson's gonna take. I could see him getting a little. He could get a little careless. I think that Philly pass rush they're always gonna show up and. Uh, maybe those tight ends, Ertz and Goddard, I think they're down the seam. They're going to find some openings. So I think Philly's going to pull this one out, even though I think it's a real big pick It's hard to go against Seattle, given how good Wilson's playing at the moment. But I'm going to ride Eagles for showing up in a big-time moment. Maybe Doug Pearson out coaches Pete Carroll as well. Pete Carroll is known for a couple of uh, iffy decisions with time management. The Patriots, like we mentioned before, they play the Dallas Cowboys. This is a seven-point line. Cowboys are a seven-point underdog. And PFF simulations predicts that the Pats win 71% of the time. But this is the highest ranked offense the Pats have faced. Dallas, where do you think they rank in PFF? They got to be at least top five. They're number one. That kind of surprised me. They've been prolific. Dak's been playing at a super high level. Dak is balling, bro. I made the case for him being an MVP candidate. He should be. Right? Other than what we got. Wilson, Lamar, and Watson. I think Watson and Prescott are those two guys you could kind of flip here. I think Wilson, Lamar, top two, though. Yeah, I think they've separated themselves from the yeah. field. But, you know, like Jared Goff last year was a top five MVP candidate. Yeah, I, I those know, were it's, days. It's crazy, it's crazy <laughs> to think about the, the, the cliff he's fallen off of. But Dak has graded better than Brady so far this year, 85.2 to 82.9 per PFF. I have a big question for you. And I want you guys listening to chime in as well because, you know, I'm a degenerate and I love playing Daily Fantasy. We know about the Patriot way. Do you think they throw Gilmore on Gallup and double cover Amari? Do you think that could be enough to slow down Zeke too? Because we know about them taking away your best offensive weapon. Who do you think New England treats as the best offensive weapon there? Yeah, because Gallup's such a threat. So I think why not put Gilmore on him? Because... You saw Gallup, but such against Detroit, he had a monster game. He's so I, – I knew he was good coming out of college, but it, some people are saying he's the receiver one. He should have been drafted a lot higher. But, man, he's such a vertical threat. Like, some of the contested catches he was making against Detroit was incredible. So, yeah, I can see Belichick doing that. I think he has faith in the secondary where, okay, we could double Cooper. The thing is they move Cooper around a lot. Like, they'll put Cooper in the slot. So, uh, that's something they're going to have to gauge. And if Ronald Cops not play a lot better too. Dallas has – they went from having the worst receiving corps to now one of the best ones in the league in one year. Like remember last year how bad they were before Cooper got there? Yeah, they had no speed. They had like it was Alan Hearns, Cole Beasley, Gallup was still kind of learning the playbook, and maybe Terrence Williams was still there. Remember him? Oh yeah, yeah, Terrence Williams. He had that wild catch against the Seahawks that one time that like toe tap on like third and twenty eight. Uh, but I know you're a big fan because he forgot to get out of bounce against the Giants. Oh man, that was such a good time, such a good time. But you know, staying with this game here. A lot of the Patriot wide receivers are questionable, but I kind of think that's just like... Well, Sanu's out for a few weeks, I saw. Yeah, with the ankle injury. Uh, Dorsett, concussion, uh, game-time decision, probably out. Um, You know, New England, man, they, like you said, they don't really have anyone that scares you offensively. Like, Edelman Edelman is Edelman, and we know about that, and I got to give that guy credit because I think he's a sensational wide receiver. I think he's the most underrated wide receiver of our generation underrated yeah because i think he'll never be like when you make a top 10 wide receiver list all the years you've been watching football edelman is never in that because he shouldn't be he shouldn't be but i don't think he's even top 20 but is there anyone you would pick over him in a big game yeah there's a lot of great receivers out there oh no i i strongly i feel passionate about this one in a big game there's not a wide receiver i would pick over edelman and I know it's the system and it's the quarterback. I get that. But, yo, that guy. He is, makes big plays. You can't deny his resume against the Falcons. But there's there's way more receivers out there that just bring more as, you know, at, on the outside. Because I don't want to call Elman a glorified slot receiver. He's definitely more than that. But there's just so many big-time receivers out there. And I just thought the whole Hall of Fame discussion last year was ridiculous. Like people saying he should be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely not. I was one of those guys. Okay. Don't, don't agree with that at all. Like To me, he's like a better version of Jarvis Landry. That's why I describe him as. I just, when it comes to slot receivers, the guys that came into league as slot receivers, it's okay. Yeah, they do their thing. Don't get me wrong, but I can't put you in the top 10. Like, I'm not putting you over a guy like Mike Evans or someone like AJ Green. Like, I put, put those guys in the big spot. You can see what they do. They're just with terrible franchises. That's a very fair point. Yeah. Uh, the situation that he's been dealt is obviously the best one in the league. Mm-hmm. And you know he he delivers. Don't be wrong. I'm not trying to diary, but it's just because you know, so I also I also think that 
Julian Edelman not playing in that Eagles game hurt the Patriots in that game. Like, he didn't have his comfort zone. Look, Brady threw for 500 yards. Yeah. So <laughs> how much more could he have done? I get that. But I just think I think Edelman is a sensational. And, you know, the reason why I even bring him up is, you know, he's he was limited this week in practice. But I think it's also like, you know, wasn't Brady on, like, the injury report for, like, 200 straight weeks? And it was just like, that's what New England kind of does. I'm still wondering what happened with Josh Gordon there. I think they just had some sort of falling out. Because I think they really could have used Josh Gordon. Oh, yeah, they definitely could have. And and you saw that Brady trusted him right away. They were giving him big spots, sort of like what Russell Wilson did in the Seahawks that Monday night game. He converted two-third in like eight, third yeah, lines. Yeah, and it was only two catches, but he still delivered. Yeah. And now he's going to know more of the playbook. So Right, right. I think with this game, the one thing I'm looking for is I really want to know. New England tells you what they think of you as far as like an offensive weapon. So if... If they don't stack the box, kind of feel like they don't respect Zeke. I think Zeke is having an awful year. He doesn't miss, break many tackles anymore. He doesn't make people whiff. He doesn't. I just when he gets the ball, you see first contact, he goes down. Zeke has is showing all the signs of I just got paid and I don't give a fuck anymore. <laughs> From his like wild ass hairdo to he does look a little heavier than usual. I think that's always been knocking him though. That was like last year, I remember. Right. Yeah. 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 But like, like he doesn't seem to have that. Burst. He's not as elusive. I will say that. Like he doesn't break as many out. Like you saw the touchdown against Detroit. Tony Pollard. He broke like three tackles. I was like, man, I don't think Zeke could do that. Yeah, Zeke is just like the, the Cowboy fans have a wild, irrational love. I think for him, I think that offensive line is so good, and now that offense is so good that yeah, if I was if I was Dallas, I would be like, all right, bro. Like I'm not paying you. I much rather pay Dak because I'm always biased towards the quarterback anyway. And Cooper. I, and I think, yeah, and I think I think running backs are replaceable. And I think I would have been like, all right, bro, hold out. Yeah. And I'm going to roll with Tony Pollard. This is going to be a game where if you're like, because I think there's only two 4 o'clock games. The other one's like Tennessee Jacksonville. So if you're not a fan of that team or you're not covering them, you're not watching. Uh, they NFL, whenever Dallas has that big 4 o'clock bunch we saw against Green Bay earlier this year, they just set up the schedule. Okay, everyone's gonna watch this. So I think if you see Zeke have like thirteen carries for forty three yards, you're gonna see all these people. Yeah, this is what you got for paying running back. Uh, and then Cooper uh, has maybe like seven catches for a hundred yards. Who knows? Because I think Cooper is gonna get his catches. He's just someone I think at this point you can't really uh, limit. Like he's someone that's gonna get his production regardless, unless Gallup has a monster game and Cobb goes off. Like I know he had kind of a down game against Detroit, but I think it's just more that more because of Gallup and Cobb having monster games and just Dak spreading the ball around. I think in these, this type of matchup, you know, they're not gonna have many opportunities. They're gonna need someone like Cooper to you know create separation, and make some individual plays of his own. Damn. So Cooper is matchup proof. You think? At this point, it's just the way he runs routes, like he just. I think he's incredible, man. Like I would put him in the top five. I really would. Especially when they put him in a slot. He is so damn good in the slot. He's kind of like Michael Thomas. Him and Michael Thomas, like the best receivers. And Keenan Allen as well. Or you see him a lot in the slot, and they just thrive off it. Last thing on this game before we give a pick. I tweeted out and posted about this year so far, the two players that have proved me wrong have been Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott. Um, does Dak Prescott cut make the cut for you as far as like if you're to do a top five list of players that have exceeded your expectations who where it was or, or were you I, i've I, always I, liked that you've always liked that always okay. been that i think that what held him back was scott linehan i think scott linehan was a terrible offense coordinator mm. I'd, I'd agree with you on that yeah. yeah but i didn't i didn't see this coming like he's on pace for five thousand yards and that's you know that's an exclusive club they really bolstered their offense, you know, getting, I think Cobb's been a solid sign. I know people thought he was a little bit on the decline, but I think Cobb in this offense where uh, they're using him better, like they're not as reliant on him, I think helps. And I, the offense line's finally healthy. People forget last year, Frederick was out for a year. And then mm -hmm. 2017, Tyron Smith was out those games. So I think him having a stabilized offense line certainly helps. He's always had the ability deck. It just, I don't think he's always had the, enough resources around him. And, you know, obviously playing with Jason Garrett doesn't help. So... <laughs> The clapper. Yeah. We could, by the way, if we did a prediction earlier, we could have just said Bill Belichick, Jason Garrett. That's it. Like that could have just been our preview. I think people would have been satisfied. But no, this is a really compelling matchup. And I think Dallas has a lot of talent. It's just it's hard to look past. You have Bill Belichick on one side, and then you have Jason Garrett on the other. It's hard to look past that. As bad as doing an offense looks right now. Yo, I feel like if you were to take the top twenty players in this game and just rank them, 
I feel like it would be 14 to 6 in favor of Dallas. Definitely be up there because, okay, we got who? We got Gilmore, put Brady there, uh, put Edelman out there, and who else is there? Right? McCourty. I gotta McCourty. Give it I don't know, maybe Boat not, but just Devin. Um, Jimmy Collins having a really good year, but I don't know if I could put him up there. Like, even that Patriots offensive line's not even, like, they don't have big names there. Like, yeah. I, I think Shaq Mason's really good. But you're right, Dallas just they have well, a lot like, of like like look, there's three offensive linemen on Dallas. For as much as I knock Zeke, I'd, Zeke is one of the best players in this game. And then like Lawrence, Lawrence, Van Der Esch. shit, Quinn is Quinn is getting a sack every week, dude. That guy, yo, I Michael Benz, you, by the way, Michael Ben revenge game, a very weird revenge game, but it's a revenge game. Yeah, but yo, Robert Quinn, man, a a a, a guy who went to Miami. And like, kind of disappeared, fell off the radar, and like, still had something left in him. So I, I think this, this game goes one of two ways. I think it's a close game, and Jason Garrett does something dumb where it's like maybe a time management issue, and it's like he like runs, he said, gives Zeke the ball three times. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like one of those things where it's like ultimately Belichick got him at the end, yeah. or I think New England blows them out, and it's it's a. It's a Packers Cowboys kind of game right. where like New England goes up like twenty eight to three and then sorry I know that's oh jeez <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose bro I'm sorry uh, no I forgot but that's probably the only game this year Dak struggled in Green Bay actually I didn't think he played that well against the Giants the Monday night game but he got obviously got done at the end but that Green Bay game was the one nose game where he could have thrown like four picks and this is a really good litmus test for him because this is the best defense he's played against and uh, there could be moments where he. Cause, Patriots defense, they've made a lot of quarterbacks look bad. Obviously, you know, the competition hasn't been great, but they made Wentz look bad. So it wouldn't surprise me if Prescott threw a couple of picks. But it is hard to go against New England just given the coaching uh, discrepancy. That I look at that and then that secondary. I think that secondary is one of the few secondaries that can hold up against Dallas. Yeah, man. It should be it should be fun because this game is uh like you said, it's only two four o'clock games and I think everyone's going to have – I don't think you're going to have a red zone on. I think at that point you just put on Fox mm-hmm. and just, like, watch that game, you know? Yeah, Jacksonville, Tennessee. Not exactly yeah, the most appealing match. Enjoy that. <laughs> uh, all right. San Francisco is playing the Packers of Green Bay. Um, I am going to tell you right now, and I'm going to break the fourth wall and look into the camera on this one. We'll start with this one. I hope this is a divisional round playoff game. And I cannot wait to walk up to the FanDuel Sportsbook and put a lot of money. Spoiler, it's not much on Green Bay. Wow. Because I think this week, Green Bay is going to go in there and they're going to beat them. And you're going to see what I've always said. It's cool to have Kirk Cousins. It's cool to have Jimmy G. It's cool to have... Man, we're putting down Jimmy G already. And, uh, and And it's cool to have Derek Carr. Until you look across the field, and it's Pat Mahomes, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's uh, shit, even Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson. I think the drop-off between the two quarterbacks is significant. And it's just, you know, Rodgers has that chip on his shoulder. He kind of hates the Niners in the back of his mind still because, you know, he... They've lost several times. But not Mm -hmm. only that, it's also the team that he waited in the draft room for so long. Remember, they had the number one pick. He Cali kid, grew up a Niners fan, wanted to go there. They lose three years in the playoffs? Because I know they lost in 12. Well, it was the one Kaepernick year where he ran wild. Remember, he had like 400 yards total, 200 yards. That was the first year. Right? And then... There was one year of wildcard round. They lost to Lambeau. So I remember two of them. Maybe it was another one. But I remember at least two years where they lost to Kaepernick specifically. Yeah, and then there was the one year where uh, Kaepernick lit him up like week one or two of the regular season. Oh, that's he threw, right, like, yeah. Four touchdowns. I remember it that. was it was actually the ensuing year yeah. after the uh, the wild card game. So, but but what I think here is, I think Green Bay is coming off a bye, right? Yeah, they had a bye, um, and I do think that San Francisco is a little hobbled, right? Like uh, we don't know Kittle status yet. We don't know Kittle status. Debo Samuel. He missed some time. He just got cleared to practice today, Thursday, at the time of recording. Yeah. Brita, I think they really like the mold Shanahan had in Atlanta. Coleman, Coleman Freeman, mm-hmm. now Coleman Brita. Brita meet being more of the Coleman role mm-hmm. from Atlanta. Mozart's making good plays. They had the game winner. Yeah, Mozart is uh, you know a famous like uh, guy from like the nineteen. 19- 
like the 1700s. Okay, most, Greek god. Okay. Yeah, it, it's it's Moster. Yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. You're thinking about like from a history. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, and, and Jeff Wilson too. I think he scored the game-winning touchdown last week. No, was it Mozart or no? Someone had it off the wheel route. Jimmy G hit him. I, I want to say it was Jeff Wilson. Okay. I could be wrong, but okay. it was one of those two. Yeah. It was definitely one. It wasn't yeah, a lot of them. They have a lot of yeah. running back that. And you know, Debo Samuel, he's he's emerging as the guy that they. He's took. so good after a catch. Yeah, My yeah, he's God. a beast. You know why they call him Debo, right? Because when he was a kid, the the movie uh, Friday. Yeah. Like that guy, that character Debo, mm-hmm. and he was just like a bully to everyone when he was right. a, a, at a young age. Just like the way he played, like he was just like bitch slapping people. Yeah. And it's <laughs> crazy. Him and Metcalf are in the same division. Wow, yeah. Two powerhouses. Even though Debo doesn't fumble like Metcalf. That fumble is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you think, man? Because I, I really think that this is one of those games where, like, you look across and, I mean, I want to bet the Packers. I, I think I think the Packers here. It's I, I'm, like, way too confident in this one. I think you're undervaluing the San Fran D a little bit, just given how good they are, especially that front four. You know, they're going to create pressure. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. They're going to have their quarterback. I think another cool dynamic is uh, – Back in Atlanta, when Shan was the offensive coordinator, Matt Lafleur was working under him. So oh. you have a little bit of a coaching, uh, I guess, tree right there, which is kind of weird. So would that out. would they all fall under the Jay Gruden coaching tree? I'm not sure if Lafleur would be. Was he, I mean, actually, maybe. Yo, Lafleur yeah. was there with yeah. him too, because I remember okay. seeing a graphic when Jay Gruden got let go mm-hmm. by the Redskins, and they said how. It wasn't too long ago where Jay Gruden was the McVay Shanahan's of the world. And they're like, you know, it was more downplaying the Redskins organization, which, you know, doesn't take that much to actually just shit on that organization. But they were saying how, you know, they had Matt LaFleur, Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan all in their facility. And yeah. all of them said no to Washington. Smart men. So they're coaching better teams at the moment. But I think he went from there. Then he went to Atlanta. Then he went to Green Bay. Then he went to Tennessee and and now he's in Green Bay because I remember um, there was I think he went one year to the Rams because he worked under McVay Lafleur. So yeah, the fact that it's a very fun coaching match of just seeing those two guys because they they're two of the but all these Shannon's one of the best off. I'm still I'm still not sure Lafleur has a play call yet. Like I, you could tell he's he's with the t- times obviously, and uh, I think he's done really well in terms of getting Rodgers easier throws to make compared to just the debacle that was Mike McCarthy, but. I don't know, I think San Francisco could cause some problems this game just with their pass rush, and I do think their corners could really hold up. I uh, Mosley, Mayo Mosley had a really good game against uh, Seattle between him, and then I'm, I think Weatherspoon will be back. So they just have so many playmakers on a defense, so I do think they could challenge Rodgers. I think it will come down to just – I'm going to see how Jimmy G plays because he's been very shaky over these past few weeks. I think the one, one now major knock at Jimmy G is like, why can't this guy see linebackers? Everyone's like, this guy just can't see linebackers because Wagner and KJ Wright both could have picked him off in that Monday night game. And I think Arizona had a couple opportunities too. So uh, I how this how I'm valuing this game is besides the coaching battle and San Fran's D-line, I just want to see how Jimmy G plays in our big spot because he has this, then you have Ravens, and then the Saints. So these are three top five teams he's going up against. And he's really going to have to deliver because I think there are a lot of question marks about his play, especially given how bad he looked against Seattle. What do you make of the backfield in Green Bay? Do you think it's because, you know, that last game where Aaron Jones scored three touchdowns against the Panthers, him and Jamal Williams both played the same amount of snaps and got the same touches. It's just that Aaron Jones scored three touchdowns. I think it's more of a committee than people are realizing over there. It's weird because everyone talks about Jones being the far superior talent, which I think he is, but I think Jamal Williams has shown a little bit of improvement. He actually could be used as a receiver, and he has been breaking tackles. See, people like Aaron Jones, he's just so dynamic. Just the way he just accelerates past defenses. Williams is more of a power guy, but I do think they have to limit Jones' carries because he does get injured a bit. You, I don't think he could like truly handle the workload of, say, like a Dalvin Cook or a Zeke, so... Uh, yeah, I think that's a good call by you. They are definitely more of a committee, which I expect because I didn't think Jamal Williams was any good last year. Yeah, I mean, I made this point last year how sometimes, like, I'm a big, I, I might be old school, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I love the eye test. And last year, I didn't know what the PFF grade was. I didn't know what this advanced analytics was between the two because, remember, Aaron Jones was suspended last year, first couple of games, and it was Jamal Williams. And I was just like, yo, like, abandon the Jamal Williams shit. Like, Aaron Jones, it just looks better. The offense just flows better when he's out there. 
and yeah, he's he's become the back. But like now, it's like they both look good. It's weird. Lafleur, he's done a good job, especially. And also, the Green Bay's offensive line looks a little better this year as well, so that helps. But I don't think Aaron Jones is probably the guy that you could fully depend on. Like he's not the twenty twenty five carry back. So I think that's what Lafleur is kind of recognized. So, but I don't know. It's just gonna be crazy watching. Just Rogers try to handle that San Fran pass rush. I, I I love watching that pass rush get after. Just that defense in general is playing at such a high level. But then again, you have to look at the other side ball with Jimmy G. I just have major concerns right now. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he threw two or three picks. Just he looks very jittery right now. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and that defense can uh, they could definitely pressure the quarterback, man. San Fran's all like very. Sh- I you assume Staley and McGlinchey can't play any worse than they did against Seattle, but. You know, even Chandler Jones is going after him, and you know we see both Preston's and Darius Smith. Uh, that could be an issue as well. Because Green Bay's defense, yeah, they're hard cold. They allow a lot of explosive plays, but they're still going to make their own plays. They're going to create pass rush. They're going to force turnovers between you know Jair Alexander's top. And I think uh, Darnell Savage is having a really good year. So there's still a lot of playmakers on Green Bay defense, even though they do allow quite a lot of big plays. Who are you going with in this Sunday night game? Some good primetime games on this week, man. Yeah. I'm a Monday l- night game, too. I think Rams-Ravens is interesting. I know we're not going to touch on that too much, but mm-hmm. definitely want to. I'm l- I'm going to go Packers. I love what San Fran's doing. I just have major concerns about Jimmy G right now. I thought he looked absolutely terrible against Seattle. It was very fortunate. Just not knowing Kittle. I think he does miss Kittle as well. Who one of the guys just creates mismatches left and right. Like I, Losing him, it's he's irreplaceable. So I think missing him would be a factor if he is out. But I just I don't trust him, Jimmy G, in a big spot right now. So I'm going to rely on Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. I think that's fair. I think this is a very telling game for Jimmy G and the Niners, right? Like we saw them. It was that one game. I guess the first one was against the Browns. They they beat them up pretty bad, but the Browns are just as functional. We spent so much time on them. But yeah, this is like, yo, this is going to be a game where you're going to probably see Green Bay again. Mm-hmm. All right. And and you have, you mentioned the schedule, man. You got Green Bay, you got Baltimore, and then you got the Saints. Both on the road. Both on the road. So this Two hostile be, environments. And you have to go back to Seattle. So you have a tough last And you got a home game against the Red Hot Falcons. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going to go I'm gonna go with Green Bay as well, man. I'm going with Green Bay as well. Yo, so. speak of Paul, Paul is on the screen right now. She's to Paul. He's got a big really? beard now. Yeah. Just Holy shit. But, oh, I do want to mention uh, about San Fran, even though, because everyone talks about the Seattle game, oh, it was close. If... If Fetty doesn't lose his mind and try to run with the fumble, I think people forget about that. I think we really shouldn't have been competitive at the end. Just Fetty, I don't know what he was thinking. So that's why people are saying, okay, San Fran played such a great game in Seattle. They were a little fortunate. We have to say that. All right, right, guys. Uh, There you have it for this week's episode. Can we quickly mention one thing? Did, Did you watch the full Sunday night game? Yeah. Did you feel like you lost years off your life watching it? Oh, um, and come on! I mean, I, I've been, I've been. It was really bad. Like we had, we had some, just. Oh, the Trubisky thing, or just Trubisky just go, and go, golf in general. Like they, like McVeigh lost all faith in him to throw the ball downfield, and when he did, he actually made a couple of nice throws. But it just got called back. the The bomb to Josh Reynolds was that yeah, was a Whitworth throw. illegal formation. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, Jared Goff throws a really nice deep ball. He's just. I don't know, man. He looks scared though right now. It like, seemed like they got Gurley going. We have twenty five plus touches he had. Yeah, which that was is a, fair. That was a trademark Gurley game. But they knew they had to win this game, and just not having Robert Woods and Cooks might be done for the year. So it's just crazy seeing that Rams offense because I think a few days ago was the one year anniversary of that Chiefs game. Oh where shit! Just, yeah, that offense was just so crazy to watch. And now they're playing the Bears. I'll be a damn good defense, but still, it's just like McVay's coaching scared, and you could tell he doesn't have full confidence in golf anymore. You know, golf made a couple of nice throws, but still, it's just it's weird watching our Rams offense and the Bears. God, <laughs> if they're on any more, even four o'clock game, just flex them out. The Bears are a one o'clock team. Put them with the Dolphins and Jets. Like they play, they play the Giants this week. Shit oh, show. Oh, you're gonna enjoy that. shit show. Yeah, I can't believe I'm gonna have to watch that one. But anyway, yeah. all right, there you have it, folks. Thank you for listening. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on all outlets. Going to have a big announcement for the show moving forward in a couple of weeks. Just ironing out a couple of details. Check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Veterans Minimum. We're recording now, so the full episode will be up by hopefully Friday evening. You'll be able to watch the episode, and then we'll be breaking up 
major talking points. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum over there is you can sign up for the contest. Going to be doing more giveaways. Uh, I was talking to uh, Danny Lopriori and what he does over there with the stank about how they do their giveaways. And shout out to him. He gave me some input. Going to be doing that. Hats, uh, maybe games, jerseys, shit like that. Uh, shout out to my guy, Ahmed. He gave me some hats from his job. Schmetty. Schmetty, yeah. So we'll be we'll be giving away some MLB hats as well. And yeah, I got some merch and whatnot. Um, you know, Black Friday's coming up, so we'll be doing some fun stuff. You guys can get some discounts. You know, the hats and the shirts are $25 a pop. Maybe we'll do, um, you know, I'm, I'm feeling nice. I'm feeling generous. It's the holidays. Maybe we'll do uh, a package of both for go 40 bucks so you get 10 dollars off there a nice little discount so hit us up at veterans minimum is where you can find the show on all social media outlets and we will catch you guys next time baby Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.